0: I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm an emergency critical care specialist and a toxicologist. Thanks for joining us today. Today, we're really excited to have Dr. Catherine Prim of Nine Lives Radio Show to be on with us today. We'll be right back after these messages. Hi, Dr. Justine Lee. Do you know what I love? My cat, Lola. What I love about her is whenever I take a nap or go to sleep, she always wants to snuggle right up against me. You know what I don't love? cleaning up after Lola's litter box, which is why Armin Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no clouds of nasties when I scoop. It's 100% dust free, free of heavy perfumes, and helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. New cloud control cat litter by Armin Hammer. More power to you. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet. We're really excited to have Dr. Katherine Prim on today, and she's the radio host of Nine Lives with Dr. Kat. Dr. Kat, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So the first thing that I wanted to introduce my radio listeners to is, can you give us a little bit of background about who you are, what kind of
1: pets you have, and what your favorite things are to do outside of being a veterinarian? Sure. Well, I'm a small animal veterinarian in Tennessee, and I have a dog, and I have a cat, and of course, I have the show that you mentioned. But one of my passions is really to talk about making visits to the veterinary hospital a little bit less stressful for pets. I think that if we can decrease the patient's anxiety to see us, then they'll be more apt to see us, and we can do a better job of preventing things that would have gone unchecked. So, So I am the nation's first fear-free certified professional, and I love to talk about ways to make things more fear-free for animals. Wonderful. So a lot of my
0: cat and dog owners don't understand what fear-free is. Do you mind just explaining what it is
1: and why you actually sought it out to actually be certified? Well, it's an initiative. Well, uh, Dr. Marty Becker recognized that some of the anxiety that pets were feeling about visits to the veterinary hospital was a hurdle for both the pet and the pet owner because even myself before I knew about Fear Free, I kind of dreaded taking my cat to the vet because he really doesn't like the car rides and, and he doesn't really enjoy the visits, even though I'm a veterinarian and he can go to work with me and I'm there. So I was kind of driven to find a way to make that better because I've always wanted to be a veterinarian from the time I was five, but never in those dreams and daydreams that I had, did I ever anticipate that my patients would hide from me or bite me. Or be afraid of me. I thought that I would get to play with puppies and kittens all day. So it was definitely a passion. When I discovered this movement that Dr. Becker had started, I really felt like it was a game changer for me. And so I was waiting when they launched the program to be the first one certified. And I I have been so pleased that I did. Wonderful. And do you mind just telling some of our pet owners out there, what is involved with the certification to become a fear-free professional? Well, it is a module where you online you experience classes about ways that you can reduce fear anxiety and stress in pets and medications and herbal things and activities that you can do and actions that you can plan to be aware when anxiety is happening what are the signs of fear anxiety and stress and what can you do about them so I think a lot of veterinarians have recognized that this is a problem but the fear- free program does kind of put it all in one place and sort of it's like your easy button where they have things that you could just quickly refer to about what medications might you use to address the fear, anxiety and stress or how can you anticipate the visit for this pet and make it a little bit better of, of a visit. So the first level is about eight hours of certification classes and tests to prove that you have assimilated the material. So it's kind of a big deal. That's great. In a previous episode on ER Vet, we actually interviewed
0: Dr. Lisa Radasta, who's a board certified veterinary behaviorist, and she talked about what we can do to minimize the fear, stress, and aggression in our dog or cat when we go to the ER. Now, as a general practitioner, you oftentimes will have time to be able to implement fear-free. And that's a little bit different in the ER, but I want your hints first of what we can do to get that fear out of that dog or cat when they go into the general practice. So your family doctor, and then some tips for You on how we can implement that specifically when they're visiting the
1: ER? Well, I think that if you, as a pet owner, can put yourself into the place of that pet, it makes a huge difference because we're asking a lot from cats and dogs to accept what we're doing to them and think that it's okay. They are instinctively designed to react and kind of a self preservation thing for them. And so it's pretty scary to stuff a cat in a box. And bundle it up in a car and then get somewhere that the cat doesn't know and there are people there that the cat doesn't know and then kind of dump it out of the box and start sticking it with needles. I mean, that's expecting a lot from a cat and and some dogs as well. Great. Thank you. So specifically, are there anything that cat owners can give at home before they bring their cat into the vet? Well, there are a lot of pet owner resources on the Fear Free Happy Homes website that are free to pet owners. You can access information about how to identify the fear and anxiety and stress in pets for yourself. I have a lot of owners that just thought that their dog, for example, was excited, just happy to see me. And actually, when they get to me, I see signs that that dog is telling me that his life is in danger. He's fearing for his life. So the first step is becoming aware of what your animal's body language is telling you and then work with your veterinarian to address it. Great, thank you. Again, I always say
0: don't give anything without talking to your vet first, but there are a lot of great medications such as gabapentin or trazodone that, if you have time, we can educate you on how to give this to your cat or your dog before you come into the clinic, just because we do want to minimize that risk. Now, Dr. Prem, what are some emergencies that you commonly see in your practice when it comes to dogs and cats? And uh, what are some things that owners need to know that they could have done to potentially prevent that? Any tips you can leave with us?
1: Well, I have kind of some seasonal things, and I'm sure you experience it as well. I live in the country, so some of my emergencies are things like snake bites, plant ingestions, reactions to insect bites. But, you know, if you have already worked with your veterinarian for your pet to not be afraid to go to the vet, it makes emergency visits so much less stressful. And I tell people, you know what? I don't want your dog to be afraid of me. Because then if he has an emergency and you bring him here, he's going to trust that I'm trying to help him. And so it'll help the whole emergency visit go better. So you're absolutely right. We use a lot of the pre-visit pharmaceuticals, we call them PVPs, and we try to sort of plan ahead when we can. I mean, not in an emergency situation, but eventually with the judicious use of PVP, we can build your pet's trust in us. And then if they do have an emergency and they have to come here, they trust that we're going to try to help them. All right, great. Thank you so much.
0: Now, before the show, I know we were chatting and talking about Easter coming up. But I was wondering if you could give our listeners some tips about some Easter dangers
1: for dogs and cats as we approach this upcoming holiday. Oh, absolutely. Easter itself comes with its own dangers. And Easter lilies are a big one because they are so toxic to cats, not to dogs, but definitely to cats. And I don't think people realize that even some of the pollen from an Easter lily could be toxic to a cat because a cat will lick themselves. And so they can ingest the pollen in that way. And so just don't have them. I mean, if you're not sure if you've got a, a bouquet and you don't know what's in it, you can certainly look online, the ASPCA Poison Control Center website and, and check for the photos to make sure that it isn't an Easter lily. And if you have a doubt, don't bring it in. Easter lilies and Asiatic lilies, they all kind of count and they're super toxic and dangerous for cats. Also, Easter grass, and I hate Easter grass, and I remember when my son was little, I would hate to see his grandmother bring the basket because the Easter grass would just kind of get everywhere, and I'd be pulling it out of the vacuum cleaner for months, but it's actually a danger to cats because they can chew on it like cats do and chew and chew and chew, and it gets kind of wrapped around their tongue but goes down their throat and can behave like a linear foreign body, which is just like the elastic in your waistband. And it saws through the intestinal tract and can be very, very dangerous for cats. So watch out for the Easter plants and the Easter baskets. And since I see a lot of dogs this time of the year, what are some
0: dangers that the Easter basket can also hold that dog owners need to know about?
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of chocolate-scented pastel vomit. And I would say that the chocolate Easter bunnies, the chocolate candies that are pastel, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen lavender vomit and lavender and brown, but yes, chocolate. And do not underestimate a dog's will to get to an Easter basket, even if you think that it is out of reach.
0: Yeah, I always joke that, unfortunately, dogs ruin all the holidays for little kids around the world (laughs) during this upcoming weekend because they can always sniff out that chocolate. And again, we do worry about chocolate. It's always the dose that makes the poison. But most of the time, if you have a dog that ate a whole Easter basket, we do want to calculate the amount of theobromine that's in there. And ASPCA has a great free app that you can download that lets you calculate whether or not the amount of chocolate is going to be dangerous to your dog. Thankfully, cats are too discriminating when it comes to their palate to eat poisonous amounts of chocolate. But again, a huge danger this time of the year for dogs. And some of the signs of chocolate poisoning we can see include vomiting, diarrhea, acting really hyperactive, even seizures or tremors in severe cases. I can also oftentimes see cardiovascular side effects from it where their heart is racing. They have a really elevated blood pressure. So when in doubt, keep chocolate out of reach. And if you're not sure if your dog got into it, we always want you to seek veterinary attention immediately so we can induce vomiting if needed and calculate whether or not it's going to be a poisoning risk. Like Dr. Prim mentioned, I hate Easter grass also. And again, it can really saw through a cat's intestine and result in a linear foreign body. Dr. Prim also talked about the dangers of Easter lilies. And again, if you're not sure, don't bring it into the house. I will say Peruvian lilies are not true lilies. They are not from the hemerocallis or Lilium species, and those are actually okay to bring in, but if you're not a good botanist, you can't identify these plants when in doubt, safest thing you can do is not bring them into the household.
1: Dr. Prim, what are some other dangers that you see during this time of the spring year? Well, down here, it's kind of warm and the sun is starting to show itself and it feels like spring. And I know that people like to open up their windows to let the amazing warm breeze come in and cats love to lay in the sunbeams, but just be cautious about open windows because curiosity killed the cat. They want to see what's out there and they could just sneak out. And if they live inside all the time, they don't really know what to do when they get out there and they get lost. So watch out for open windows. And either way, even if you have a strictly indoor cat, I always recommend microchipping just because cats are so sneaky and fast. They can get out and you would want them to be able to be returned home to you. Also, around here, we have a lot of people that drive pickup trucks, and I see a lot of dogs riding around in the back of the pickup truck enjoying the breeze, but I also see a lot of injuries associated with falls from the back of the truck. So, cautious about open windows and cautious about enjoying the breeze in dangerous ways for pets. You know, I used to practice in Massachusetts
0: and I know they had a big initiative where they were trying to make it illegal for dogs to be tied into the back or left loose, unsecured in the back of a pickup truck while it was driving. What are some safe ways to potentially transport your dog or your cat if
1: you're driving? Well, I like the cat carrier. Now, you know, in the interest of talking about fear-free, I mentioned how you don't want to stuff your cat in a box and just skip out to your car swinging the carrier. That's not good. So you want to make sure that the cat has been acclimated to the carrier and feels safe inside the carrier. It doesn't need to have a slippery surface and a carrier for a dog also. But they say that the most safe and least fearful spot for a cat to ride in a carrier is on the floorboard behind the passenger seat because the passing cars and the things that they can see out the window have been suggested to be very fear inducing for cats. So cats in a carrier and dogs can have a crate or a seatbelt to ride safely inside the cab of a vehicle as well. I agree. I live in Minnesota and I see a lot
0: of hunting dogs that are in the back of pickup trucks, but thankfully a lot of pet owners will secure a dog crate and they'll secure it and tie it down so it can't slide around in the back of a pickup truck. And then they'll put their dog in that pickup truck within the dog kennel itself. So please make sure it's a secured crate and that you're just not letting your dog ride in the back. Not only can your dog become really injured when they see a rabbit or a deer and they jump out of the pickup truck or the car. But I can actually see a lot of corneal ulcerations when people let their dogs stick their head out the window. I know it looks so fun because their hair and their ears are blowing in the breeze, but all that wind actually can result in corneal ulceration where they get scratches to the surface of their eyes. So unless you're wearing doggy sunglasses, like doggles for your pet, again, not the best thing for any dog owner to do. I also agree with Dr. Prim. I don't want any unsecured pets in the front. I had seen a terrible car accident where the cat had run underneath the brake And for that reason, the owner wasn't able to break because the cat was sitting in that area. This is so, so dangerous. So again, cats should always be secured in the back. I don't like to see dogs in the front seat in a driver's lap. It's very, very dangerous and very distracting. Um, So you always want to check with your local regulation and state rules, but please make sure to keep you and your pets safe. Now, you had mentioned before, Dr. Prem, about keeping windows open, and we always worry that cats are going to jump out. Do you mind just
1: talking a little bit about high-rise syndrome and what we can actually see if a cat falls out of a window? You know, cats are pretty brave and pretty curious, and people believe that cats always land on their feet, but that sort of depends on how far they fall, and I never encourage testing that theory because cats can get really, really hurt. I see fractured jaws, internal injuries, broken ribs. Nothing that you would want to experience yourself and certainly wouldn't wish on your cat. And it's just so easy to stick a screen in there and protect your cat. Then you guys both get to enjoy the breeze, but you get to enjoy it safely. Great points. We're going to take a short
0: break and then we'll be right back after these messages. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition. Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, Get the third bottle free. New improved Lico chops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E, and now six extra direct-fed microbials. Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try Licochops. Buy two, get one free at dynavite.com D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E. Oh. Com.
1: Let's talk pets.
0: Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Pet Liferadio.com. Life Welcome back. We've been interviewing Dr. Katherine Prim who is the host of the radio show Nine Lives with Dr. Cat. So for all you cat owners, I definitely want you to check out that radio show on Pet Life Radio. What Dr. Prim and I have been talking about are the dangers that we see to both dogs and cats this Easter holiday. So if you're going to church this Sunday, please do not bring home any flowers, any cut flowers, any florist bouquets into the house if you have cats. For dogs, it's okay. But with cats, remember the dangers of Easter lilies. These are true lilies from the Lilium or Hemerocallis species. And again, it only takes two to three leaves even the pollen or the water in the vase to cause severe acute kidney failure in cats. Dr. Prim also talked about the dangers of that fake Easter grass in your kid's Easter basket. Cats like to chew on that because it looks like grass and it can result in a life-threatening linear foreign body when it gets stuck around their tongue or in their stomach and saws through their intestine. So definitely wanna keep that out of reach. We also see a lot of chocolate poisoning and a lot of broken hearts when kids find out that their Easter basket has been eaten by their dog. Don't forget about the dangers of chocolate. It can cause hyperactivity, vomiting, diarrhea, a racing heart rate, a life-threateningly elevated blood pressure, and even tremors and seizures in dogs. If you're spring cleaning this weekend, Dr. Prim left us some great hints on why we want to keep our windows secured so your cat doesn't fall out of the window. That's something we call high-rise syndrome, and you definitely want to keep your cat safe that way. Make sure if you're spring cleaning to keep all those household cleaners out of reach or keep your pets in a secured room while you clean the rest of the house. And Dr. Prim lastly also mentioned the importance of minimizing that stress to our dog or cat when we bring them to the ER or to the general veterinarian. Dr. Prim, do you have any last tips or hints that you want to leave with our listeners
1: well, you know, just remember to put yourself into the place of your animal, no matter what it is, and try to anticipate dangers from down there at their level or, you know, fear. Just sort of imagine that you were them and see how you might like something and keep things safe that way. I think that's the best advice. Wonderful. Dr. Prim, thank you so much for being on the show. We're out of time. And again, we
0: want to thank Dr. Cat and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.